0: In this episode, we explore the life story of Dr. Nida Chenak master of Tibetan medicine, and lineage holder of the spiritual teachings of the Yutok Nintik. We learn about Dr. Nida's childhood as a nomad on the high grasslands of Amdo, Tibet, and the lessons he learned immersed in nature. We follow him to Lhasa, where he trained as a doctor of Tibetan medicine and engaged in private spiritual training in lineages such as the Longchik Nintik, Dujom Tersar, Yutok Nintik, and more. We hear Dr. Nida's critique of the tulku system, of locating and enthroning the reincarnations of spiritual masters as children, and discuss why it is that Dr. Nida offers previously secret teachings so openly to the public. This is the first in a series of interviews with Dr. Nida, and in future episodes we'll examine topics such as dream yoga, Tibetan medicine, the sexual teachings of karma mudra, and more. So without further ado, Dr. Nida Chenak Zhang. Dr. Nita, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, you are a master of several disciplines, including Tibetan medicine with its several branches, geomancy, Atti Yoga, and you've had some really remarkable teachers also. But let's start at the beginning of your life. You were born in 1971 in Amdo. Can you take us from your early life in Amdo? your medical and spiritual training across the band
1: yeah so i was born in um 1971 in amdo so that's uh i think it's after uh you know the post uh, the chinese cultural revolution and of course it was a very very hard and tough time you know for our parents but as as little kids we didn't notice much you know so basically, uh, I was born in a yurt, Mongolian yurt, you know, in eastern, northeastern part of Tibet and Namdo. And uh, so, yeah, our family was very big, you know, we were six brothers and three sisters and a big family. And so mostly we all uh, grew up with our mother, you know, our father was doing his work and he's always being very often not at home. And, you know, we're busy with our mom. And then we were, it's like completely living like nomadic lifestyle. So it means, you know, like men, you look after sheep or yaks and then women they are doing like milking uh, making butter cooking you know our mom uh, she often say like at le- you know at least like uh, about uh, 40 years she had uh, time to sleep only 4 to 5 hours per night you know wow. she had uh, been so busy you know many kids and it means uh, three times a cooking for 10 kids 9 or 10 kids and then uh, cleaning, washing, and then making butter, and drying yak dungs, you know, so much. She had really, really so much work. And same time, you know, we we knew she was always busy, but she always had time for us, you know. So basically, we were in a huge nomad land. There are other like four or uh, or five uh, families, all nomad, like our neighbors. And uh, I always remember, you know, the unity. We are living together as a, like a community. It was really, really amazing, you know. Everybody's helping each other. And like every your neighbors, like your second home, you know, you can visit them. And uh, yeah, all these things, It's it was really nice. And then actually uh, our parents, they really wanted to do the, how do you say, they really believed in education you know our parents they thought okay instead of all kids they just uh, you know being nomad and you know staying there it's good to educate them so they they both really believed in education and then we all started nomadic schools it means like tent school you know so every morning we go there and then there's a tent And sometimes our teacher shows up, sometimes the teacher, you know, we had one or two teachers, they don't show up, it means we are free. And so we grew up that way. And it's a very, very, uh, our life was very natural, you know. That's why I think it's very important Like everybody, for humans, that we are uh, connected to the nature and inspired by the nature. And we really... uh, you know, find and understand the importance of to to be connected with nature, I think that's very, very important. And the interesting thing is that time, you know, uh, when I was little, I was always thinking, like, I heard about big cities, you know, in China, and I, I was always thinking, like, how the people can live in the big cities, you know. Like they don't have their own animals and they can't make their own food and so many people are crowded. I always had that question in my head because our, as a nomad, you know, you know, as nomads, our family or neighbors, and everything is like self produced, you know, butter is self produced, cheese is self produced, and our food, everything, you know, life is like kind of autonomous, you know autonomous. We are we make everything by ourselves and everything is kind of enough and, and we shared and this you know it's really like the life of uh, giving and sharing and you know living together. So I always had that question. Then you know one of our brother uh, he he went to a university elder brother in China and like, like he loved the, the big city life you know he said oh the city life is so cool you know you can meet many people and you know you can buy from the sh- things from the shop and this and that but I I never convinced you know all these his uh, like fascinating stories from city I said ah oh, okay that's just maybe his way of thinking I never believed in that but then later of course when I grew up I was uh, I went to the um, I went to the teacher training school. That was, I was 15, 16. Then there, you know, kind of living a small city and I understood how people are living, you know, like restaurants and shops and this and that. But I never liked that kind of lifestyle because the nomad land is like so wild, you know. Probably you saw the movie of Mongol or the Genghis Khan's, uh, uh, you know, movies or documentaries. And I, actually my hometown is very similar like that, very wild, you know. And uh, the grassland is very open, you know. And in summer is very, gra- uh, very not gray, sorry, very green. And in winter is very gray and very white with snow. It's like, I think, you know, it's like uh, the nature is empowering us. And especially when we are young, I think this is very important as an education, you know. I don't believe the education needs just you go to school and you know, you learn things from the books and from teachers. Education is light itself, so that's why uh, I think for the kids, you know we really need to contact with nature, and we learn from the nature by ourselves. It's not like somebody's telling us you know so yeah, that's why I have learned many things actually by myself, you know uh, in the gra- on the grassland. Like uh, one of very famous Buddhist philosophy about impermanent, because in 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 Amdo the summer is very short, like about two months, and then September you see already you know the the flowers are kind of gone, you know, everything's disappearing, the colorful and the green grassland is transforming into a gray land, and actually that. Uh, time like September, October is like, I always had this kind of feeling of deep sadness, you know. So nobody, that time, nobody uh, taught me about impermanent, you know, change of life, this and that, but it's, it's, you know, you are learning, you are feeling it by yourself, you know, with the season and with the nature. Hmm. And later when I read about impermanent, you know, in the Buddhist uh, text, of course, philosophically, you know there are many explanations but in the emotionally feeling you know in the heart with the heart then I remember that memory and then I said yeah that's so true you know and actually I you know I choose to become a doctor Tibetan medicine doctor Rigpa doctor also because of nature you know and uh, so when I was in that uh, teacher training college I was uh, uh, 15 16 years old you know, it's called kind of very early college, you know. It's, uh, instead of you enter the high school, you enter that college after middle middle school. (coughs) So Haripkong, you know, it's very different than uh, nomadic land. It's uh, more farmers, you know, and also the mountains are kind of really naked mountains i i don't know if you know rapung area it's it's all mountains we call it like torma look like all red and naked you know
0: mm.
1: and very different uh, scenery to the my birthplace so um, yeah when i was there i i know you know you can you can be connected with nature and mountains and this and that but uh, I was missing something on the grassland. But then the summer holiday, I went to home. I was with my uh, father and you know, we are just there on the grassland. And suddenly I had that feeling. I said, oh my God, the nature, the beauty of the flowers. You know, the beauty of the green grass or the beauty of the flowers. Because in my birthplace, the flowers in summer is like a flower field, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like they're like, uh, for example, also Edelweiss, you know, the the little white one in Europe is protected. So in Ando, I'm saying it's like there's so many, even the yaks, they don't eat, you know, (laughs) there are too many like edelweiss and then many other kinds of uh, different flowers. It's really, it seems it's like a flower field, you know, somebody uh, flowered there. And so I was there, you know, barefoot walking there. I said, oh my God, I said like the beauty of nature, it's a beyond of expression, you know. Then I thought like beside of this nature, what we are looking for and what we need, you know, we just uh, be with the nature enjoy the beauty and to communicate with the flowers and you know, and then there's a little river spring and all these things. <clears throat> and then I really had a very deep feeling that I cannot live without flowers or without plants and so on and very, very deep feeling. Actually, I even, you know, lost my tears and then everything, of course, it's happening in my heart and in my head and then my father saw me. He said, what happened to you? Are you okay? Then, you know, it's like kind of like the, the feeling of love, you know, mm. you, ha- you see the feeling of the, the, the love and the beauty from nature, you know. It's like a communication with the earth. <clears throat> I was speechless. And I want to say that to my father. I said, oh, the flowers are so beautiful. The nature is so amazing. But same way, if I say these things to my father, I thought that's stupid too, you know? My father says, oh yes, everybody knows flowers are amazing, this and that. (laughs) So I didn't know what to say. I said, oh yeah, yeah, everything's okay, everything's okay. So then I thought, okay, you know, this life, I want that that I'm always connected with nature and, uh, you know, plants and flowers and so on. But that moment, I still didn't realize you know, Tibetan medicine is connected with nature, plants and flowers, but I really had that deep feeling. And later I finished that college, I was 17 years old, then I became a teacher, you know. And uh, then one of my friends says, oh, you know, if you are interested to study Tibetan medicine, you know, there's a very famous Tibetan doctor, (coughs) Dr. Tseda, he's teaching, you know, he's giving free classes in the evenings. I said, oh, it's interesting, I want to go there. So I joined his class and it was very interesting. You know, I was 17 years old and a young teacher, I was not a student, you know, 17 already a young teacher and I kind of get bored for teaching for the kids and forcing them to, you know, to learn, to memorize. And because I had uh, very bad experiences for myself, you know, for studying because I always felt that the education is always kind of forced education. You know, it's not real understanding. You are forced to memorize and you are forced to pass the test and that's it. You know, I really thought that is a really, really bad method for for the education. So that's why When I become a teacher and you have to do the same thing for the students, you know, I was traumatized and I really thought I don't want to traumatize my students. And then somehow I did my style kind of very light and soft way I I always told them, it's important you study many things with your head, but also very important to feel with your heart, you know.
0: Mm.
1: Our education is not only education for your brain, and education for our heart, you know, feeling and connection and all these things. And so then somehow, of course, you know, you're in a a garment school and you have to teach in their way. So I was kind of bored and then it was perfect for me to join that Tibetan medicine class in the evening. I was young, you know, drinking alcohol, having some fun and writing. I was a kind of also poet, you know, I was writing because my brother, my <clears throat> second brother is a very famous uh, writer, poet. Everybody knows him in Tibet, so he kind of inspired me and you know, I was also writing these things. And then the Tibetan medicine, I thought, oh, it's really nice, you know, it's uh, this. And then one summer, that was, I think, 1990, <clears throat> And there was a summer, like a herbal camp, you know, the young uh, doctors and the students can join there, you know, to go to mountains to pick up flowers, plants. So I joined that group for two weeks. We were all in the tent, you know, in the nature and like hiking the mountains and pick, you know, learning and studying about herbs, plants. And and then uh, you know also having fun in the nature like this and then that that moment is clicked my head I said ah yeah this is the exact thing what I'm looking for in my life Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: said I want to be connected with nature I always want to work with uh, flowers and plants and so on I said that's it this is it you know so I was born in nomad land and uh, soarikwa the medical tradition is 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 our like original you know our indigenous culture <clears throat> and this culture is exactly about flowers about plants you know about emotions and about the balance and this i said that's it so i really made the decision there i said i want to really learn this and then I went back, you know, from that trip, and I was very super happy. And I told my father, I said, oh, you know, I don't want to become a teacher. I said, maybe I can become a teacher, but I want to teach something else, you know. Huh. And I said, I'm especially interested in Tibetan medicine and this and that. He said, medicine, yeah, it's good, but it's a really like, a, you know, long training. I said, I don't mind, you know. So then he said, oh, that's very good, you know. And so he kind of supported my idea, but he said, oh, you already have a good job. You know, you have salary, you have a good job and you are young and, you know, you can get married and family, you know, of course, as <laughs> normal father's wish. I said, yeah, you know, I can do all these things. Also later, you know, I said, I'm really, really inspired to learn more Tibetan medicine and so on. And then my father... <clears throat> you know, talked to to his friend. His friend was the the director of uh, our local hospital, a very, very famous uh, local uh, master, you know, shinsa, Kesson Jansen, you know, Alakshinsa. So he's a Buddhist master too, Guilupo master, a great, great Buddhist scholar, Buddhist master, and also a very famous local doctor and uh, so somehow this master is a you know friend to my father our father and also it's kind of funny he always believed you know like in our family he always says oh you know the your father is a great man and i i'm sure like all his kids can do very well and this and that and then i you know, I went to him, I said, I want to study Tibetan medicine. He said, oh, it's a very good decision. You know, I said, I really want to enter the, the medical college in Lhasa, you know, Menci Council College, it's called the chakpori College. And he said, oh, it's very good. You know, the, the college uh, director, you know, the, the very famous Tibetan uh, medical doctor, Tenle. Uh, uh, that time he was the, like the, the top figure of Tibetan medicine, you know, he said, I can write to him and you know, maybe you can go there to receive education and so on. So somehow that's how, you know, I got into the Lhasa Medical College, you know, in, in mm. Lhasa in central Tibet. And that was 1991. Mm. And then I did uh, my college study from 1991 to 96. Then I stayed in Lhasa until 1998, you know. So seven years in Lhasa, it was really, really amazing. And that was really, really the moment my life was completely changed, you know. In Lhasa, you know, it was my choice. I want to study Swarikpa or Tibetan medicine. And it was my choice that I want to study Dharma It was my choice, you know, all these things. It's not like somebody forced, of course, also in that medical college, you have to study, you know, you have to pass tests, but it's, I was fascinated, you know, and I want to do these things by myself, you know, I feel in my heart and I think of the flowers and the plant and it's so like, you know, you read the text, it's about herbs, flowers, about balance and this and that, and then, I discovered, I thought studying, learning is so easy. So before I was that teacher training college, I thought, oh, study and learning is so difficult and so horrible, you know, I was kind of traumatized. And, and uh, when I was in Lhasa, it's like everything's so easy, you know, I read the text and, you know, listen to the teachers you can understand and, you know, also memorizing it so easy. So I was actually in our class, one of the top students but I didn't study much. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's not, I was there, you know, reading this. I just, you know, read the basics in this and so easy to memorize. And later my, ex- I really thought is like, uh, forcing somebody to study, it's kind of really terrible. And I really wish even the young students, you know, from the, I don't know, primary school or already the middle school, the students, they should have a right to choose, you know, what they really like and what they can really study. And otherwise, like the middle school, high school, this college, you know, you have to study like 13 different subjects and you have to pass the exam, you know, each of them. It's a kind of really like a torturing process, you know. <laughs> So then Lhasa, it's everything's completely changed. I was so happy, you know, very happy student and was studying and a good student. Then, you know, the more you learn the Rigpa Tibetan medicine, you see, you know, it's connection with Tibetan Buddhism, especially Vajrayana. And then I, I was craving, I was hungry of the knowledge and really like searching and studying. So there also I started to to study at Buddhism. Of course, I studied a little bit before in Amdo, but in Lhasa, it's everything completely changed. Then I met uh, one of my root gurus, Ani Nawan Jensen, a great, great uh, nun teacher. And she's very humble and she's highly qualified, you know, in the tantri- tantrayana, on Vajrayana. He was very humble and she had one main uh, assistant, Ani Nima Dukar, so my friend, and, uh, she didn't have many disciples so then i was always visiting her asking her to give me teachings this and that and i know she doesn't like to you know give teachings to many people like this i really did like very classical traditional style i you know on weekends to go to her receive some teachings and you know bring some food to her and this and that and so i have learned many things from her And it was a kind of very funny, uh, like a spiritual connection, you know. And she's my like spiritual teacher and spiritual mother. She had that very strong presence, you know, to make things very clear. And I don't know, like I was always kind of, uh, you know, scared of my teacher. And I also, of course, like, uh, you know, have strong devotion and respect and these things. And each time I go there, I said, uh-oh, oh, you know, like maybe my dress is not correct or maybe my hairstyle is not okay, maybe this and that. Because when she criticizes something, I kind of get a freeze, you know, like she said, oh, you know, why are you are asking so many questions? Then I said, oh, mm. then I stopped asking questions. And then she said, why are you not talking? What happened to you? <laughs> Then I didn't know what to say. You know, it's kind of um, a very, very, how do you say, traditional. It's a very special, I really had a very, very, very special connection. And uh, I see the importance that to have the female teachers, you know, female gurus. And uh, of course, according to Vajrayana, and, you know, it's the equality of men and women. And that's very clear. But unfortunately, there are not so many female teachers. And Mm -hmm. for me, my personal experience to receive teachings from female masters, it's uh, kind of different because I really felt this kind of maternal love, you know. You know, we are kind of, we know our mothers, you know, love us and, you know, their love is unconditional but sometimes our mothers they are kind of also strong you know like stop doing it this and that and there is a kind of love and fear and you know respect all mixed the feeling i i always had this feeling with my teacher and uh, yeah that was really 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 unique you know many times when i ask uh, her to give me teaching she always says no you know and then you you think you are ready to receive teachings and she says no, I say, okay. But each time she says no, you know, she refuses you, but then it's a way to think, you know. I know I was a kind of very smart student, you know. Maybe I was kind of, uh, how do you say, proud, you know. I said, okay, you know, I'm a medical student. I know many things, I'm doing many things. Mm-hmm. Like I should receive these teachings, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I give, you know, this kind of different, these things, when she said, no, it's like, a, it's a teaching, you know, you go back and reflect, like, oh yeah, I'm not ready, you know, I have to work harder, this and that. And uh, <clears throat> so she was one of my main uh, practical, uh, you know, long-changing teacher. And then, you know, the, in the Nyingma school, they don't give you too many theoretical and philosophical teaching, more practical. You know, I receive uh, teachings from her and I have to meditate and put into the practice. And uh, also the interesting thing is when I was in the college, I all, you know, when I come out from our uh, dormitory, you see them, you know, the, in Lhasa, the mountains. Lhasa, the city is around, surrounded by mountains. The giant mountains, you see very often the peak of the mountain, there are some clouds. In the winter, you see it's covered by snow. And each each time when I was coming out from this dormitory every morning, I see the mountain. It's, it's something very uh, attractive, you know. I think that's also like my connection to the nature, you know. I was saying, oh, to the nature, I want to go back to the nature, you know, and then like um, to, you know, I want to meditate, you know, to stay in the cave and to read Miller uh, Milarepa's biography and Shakarpa and these things. <clears throat> so I always had this kind of, uh, I don't know, very, very strong feeling. So then I thought, okay, I finished my uh, study in Lhasa, medical study and go back to my hometown and to to have two Mongolian youths. So one is my home and, uh, you know, just stay at home. So that time I was not thinking to get married, to have family, babies, these things. I said, okay, one is at home. So you make your home and also your clinic, you know, that patient can come to your home and, you know, you give medicine, you give treatments and, you know, Maybe sometimes you give, if you have students give some teachings there. So that was my fixed, you know, one youth is like kind of home and clinic and classroom, everything. Actually, uh, many of our teachers, they do like that, you know, that's like old style, right? Old style, the masters, you know, they don't have specific classroom. If there's few students, they come, they just go to their room and, you know, they receive teachings. Yes, one yurt is the one, you know, home and clinic and all these things. And one yurt, I want to do retreat, you know, by my son. So maybe I thought a little bit like a remote to the area. You know, in nomad land, there are some hills, mountains, beautiful places. And uh, so I was thinking like kind of living in the yurt and very nomadic style. But, you know, meanwhile, also you can help others to being a doctor or to being a teacher. So that was my dream. And each time you see the nature and you feel that reconnection, and then inspires you to, to study more. You know, I thought, okay, then you go to, uh, you know, uh, Is not only become a good doctor and you should become a good, uh, you know, Vajrayana practitioner. And then you have to study. And then I want to find more teachers. And then my teacher, the, the Aningawa Jensen, the nun, he said, I should study Dinjum Terser. So I met Junior uh, and Semo Dechen Rinpoche, you know. Semo Dechin is the daughter of Dunjum Rimboche, Dunjum Yeshe Dorje, And so her and her husband. So then wow. I received all teachings. Wow. Uh, you know, Dunjum uh, Derser teachings from them. So, you know, normally it says, oh, you can have only one root teacher. I have many root one. I have many root teachers. So Aning Jensen Jansen is my Longchen Ninti root teacher and Junior uh, Rinpoche and Simo De Chin. They are my uh, Dunjum Teshar's root teacher. And then of course, I um, received all Yuton Ninti teachings from Kambo Chorutsenam and he's my uh, uh, root teacher for Yuton Ninti and then many important tantric, you know, Vajrayana teachings from Kambo Chorutsenam and then also Kambod Sutram Jalsen. So from him I received also Yotoniti and many other you know sutra and tantra teachings, and also uh, my uh, mantra healing teacher, you know my main mantra healing teacher. And then uh, I had a very important uh, Gelukpa teacher Geshe uh, Akugendenschera. So he's from Amdo. And he's a very, very talented and he's very smart. One of the best, uh, like uh, uh, Geshe scholar, you know, for especially debating. And uh, so every weekend, oh, I traveling to see my nun teacher or my monk teacher, you know, Akko of the Geshe. Or sometimes on the weekend, I go to Sera Monastery and to stay there, you know, and two, you know, Saturday and Sunday. So both days I can study from him. And so that was my Lhasa, Lhasa, how do you say, Lhasa time. I, actually, it was really amazing. So, in my life, I feel I'm really lucky because, you know, I had a wonderful family, wonderful parents, and wonderful sisters and brothers. Everybody's really amazing. You know, they are all talented in different ways. And uh, still today, actually, my family it's known as uh, one of the best educated, well-educated family, you know, through the effort of uh, our great parents. So I feel I'm really lucky I was born there and, you know, in the nomadic area into this family. And also I feel very lucky that uh, I met, uh, how do you say, many, many great, great uh, teachers, you know. And uh, of course then, you know, like Professor Wangdi and, uh, you know, one of our main uh, medical teacher and, you know, Dr. Jamian Lundru. And from him I've learned, I have learned so many, how uh, do you say, uh, external therapies, you know, Tibetan massage, moxibustion, and venesection. all these very unique uh, external therapies. So that's why, you know, sometimes uh, so I know some people, they are saying, oh, you are doing so many things, you are teaching so many things, like, why you are doing so many things? I said, uh, you know, I have learned so many things. And uh, of course, uh, how do you say? It took time and effort. It's not just easy to receive those teachings. I did my best and I learned so many things. And I, you know, I know when I learned these things from my teachers and my teachers always saying, this is our culture, our tradition, it's important, you know, to continue these teachings. And I know, and uh, my teachers, one of their main wish is, you know, keep the tradition alive and also to, to transmit or to teach more people and so on. Like when we are doing, doing, when we are learning the mantra healing, our teacher said, oh, you know, some mantras, we don't teach so much, so much publicly, but now it's important, you know, so many people, they have health issues, this and that. And if we can, it's it's important to help people, you know, through uh, like mantra, you know, through giving teachings or mantra healings and these things. You know, our college was a communist college and we are not allowed to study like mantra healing or spiritual things, this and that. And then our teachers are great teachers. They had all those knowledges, you know, so something they can teach in the college and something they cannot teach in the college. And then where they teach is they teach at home. And I received all these teachings, you know. So that's why I think, um, the, of course, if our great masters, they are allowed to teach these uh, spiritual teachings in the medical college, of course they gave all those teachings, but they are not allowed to give these teachings. So that's why we had to go to their home and you know other places to receive these teachings and so on. So that's why I have collected lots of teachings. You know, lots of teachings. And that's why I really uh, wish that I can help more people. You know, through uh, those teachings. And uh, the most important is, uh, how do you say, we keep our great tradition alive. You know. And it's good good for the tradition that we keep it alive and also good for people that, you know, because these teachings are very, very, these teachings or knowledge or technology, whatever you call, they are so useful for the public, you know? So yeah, that's why now I try hard to to give more teachings and, you know, to make it more, uh, what do you say, accessible and, i really doing these things i try to do hard these things in a good intention you know and uh as as i told you i always had that dream that uh, you know to to have these two yurts and to 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 live as a nomad but then that dream didn't become uh, true but another kind of similar i'm you know traveling mm. a- around the world and giving teachings and, you know, uh, treating uh, patients, you know, and uh, all these things, it's like, a. It's a, I'm still a nomad, you know, mm-hmm. but it's in a different way of nomad. And of course, I miss uh, nature, but also through the traveling, like you see the different, uh, you know, continents and different kind of nature and a different aspect of the world, you know and to see the interconnectivity and to see the similarities you know from people's mentality to cultural uh, aspect all these things you know the, all these things really like enrich it and my knowledge and my understanding and this so <clears throat> that's why you know i tell uh what do you say um, people are saying oh you are a teacher i always say i'm always a student you know Every day you learn something, you know? You you learn, you understand uh, from everybody. So I sometimes tell my students, it's not I'm teaching them, you know, I'm learning from you guys too, you know? It's like uh, learning and understanding and connecting, is it, it's really, really wonderful. But I still wish to go to, you know, to Himalayas, to stay in a cave for, I don't know, maybe for a while. <laughs> I did these things in Lhasa, but you know, like few weeks, you know, maximum is few weeks, one or two months, and it's a short retreat. So I really like to do that in future too, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's my short story. That's wonderful.
0: Uh, So I'm very curious about a lot of that, but one thing that's interesting is you are also a tuku, although it's not something that I've seen you emphasize a great deal, your previous incarnation was written padantashi can you talk a bit about your previous reincarnation and the relevance to you as a i give
1: you a very direct answer for that and uh, i'm not interested in tulku business so you know some people are saying oh the tulku system is uh, like a tibetan buddhist uh, how do you say uh, mafia system. <laughs> Sometimes I think it makes sense, you know. So I'm really not that interested in this part because I'm kind of very sad that, uh, you know, many, many, many people, they are using the name of the tulku and reincarnation, and they are messing up the teachings, you know. And uh, if they really know the teachings, if they are really qualified, I don't mind. Of course, I I believe in their real reincarnation, real tulkus. But today it's becoming like a business. It's a marketing, you know. Somebody says, "Oh, I'm tulku," you know. Read my past life biography. How much I did. But then, how about this? How about this life? How much did you learn? How much did you do? How much do you know? You know, it's a very simple question, right? So that's why it's kind of tulku, the name is becoming like a marketing, kind of like a business and competition of tulkus, this and that. And uh, if they are real tulkus, you know, we don't need to give that recognition. And we can see from their knowledge, we can see from their activities, right? We call tenle in Tibetan, you know, tenle means their activities. Mm-hmm. pacifying activities, increasing activities, uh, conquering activities, you know, eliminating negative things, activities. There are four activities. So that's the real proof. And I always say, if somebody is a tulku, your knowledge is the your real proof, and your activities are real proof. Beside this, you know, just uh, telling so many, that lineage of this past lives, this and that, I respect them, I know them, but I'm really, really not interested. That's why for me, when I, when they give me this name and title, I always said I don't want to use it, but I respect, you know, their group of yogis, they believe in me and they, you know, they really respect me as their, I don't know, masters, uh, reincarnation, whatever this, you know, I respect their idea, I respect them, they respect me, I respect them, but I just always tell them, you know, it's not important to, you know, they are saying I'm this reincarnation, or I'm, you know, saying, oh, I'm the reincarnation, this and that, because at the end, what is really matter is what we do, right, Mm. and how we keep our traditional life, and how we can Help people, you know, how we can help the tradition, how we can help people. I think that's that's the that's the key point. So historically, there like for example, Jumi Pam Namjal and Jamgul Pondrajan Rinpoche, there's some the most qualified masters, and they said, I will not have reincarnation. You know, they state those things so clearly, but somehow somebody found the reincarnations, because for some different reasons, right? And uh, like great, uh, you know, the recent master, Kambo Jigme Pinzo and Cha those are the most highly qualified great masters. And they said, they, you know, they told their disciples, don't find, don't search it. My dear reincarnations, because they know today the Tolku system is messed up, you know? So that's why, sorry, maybe you are you are expecting a nice story about that, and uh, I'm not really interested in this part. And I really, if we really give too much importance in this tulku system, probably Vajrayana um, will be messed up. You know. So that's why I really wish that uh, people, more people, will understand and more people can really appreciate that. Uh, that masters knowledge, that masters uh, qualification, and that masters real good, you know, the, the altruistic activities. And, uh, and I also really wish that, uh, you know, the Buddhist people in the, in the Vajrayana tradition, people can acknowledge more, you know, people with knowledge, you know, people with real kindness or real compassion, real bodhicitta. And today, like everybody runs after the name, you know, the name is the Turku, the Rinpoche, you know, name, oh, somebody Rimboche, I you know, of course the name has an effect, name has a power, but uh, that's the pity. That's why I really wish like more people, they can see and they can understand the quality of the the teachers and the quality of the the masters, you know, instead of just, you know, saying, seeing their titles.
0: Often, I think people who are b- curious to learn more about uh, Buddhism, for instance, are not sure what to look for. And so titles and these sorts of things, people think, well, that must be a good because that, uh, that person has a title or is a tulku <laughs> or something like that, they hear this. What did you notice in your own teachers how did you recognize in your own teachers? You had some really fantastic teachers. What qualities did they well, have? Well, uh, I choose my uh, teacher,
1: the, my gelugpa teacher, the philosopher, Gendon Shirap. That's because of his knowledge. Okay? So, um, because of his knowledge. And he's giving some teachings to the monks and lay people. Actually, he's not giving teachings to the lay people, you know, But time I had a very short haircut and he thought I was a monk. He said, <laughs> oh, I thought you're a monk. That's why I promised to give you teachings. <laughs> he said, oh, no, you are not monk. You are napa. you are yogi. And uh, and then You know, normally he says, oh, these teachings are for the monks, you know, why you lay people learn these. And then he knew I was very interested, but I was also good at learning and studying. And then he said, "I never mind, you know, lay people can study too. So I choose choose, uh, that my teacher because of, uh, uh, you know, his knowledge. Uh, I think this is very important, you know. To somebody call a teacher, somebody has the knowledge, you know, somebody has the wisdom, right? You know, even we go to a school and, you know, the the ones we call teacher and they have the knowledge to teach us, right? And today some spiritual teachers say, oh, don't worry, you don't need to study. Oh, you know, these things, I don't. And some spiritual masters, they try to be kind of uh, tricky, you know. He oh, don't worry, you know, I say a nice word. Oh, you know, this nice word is this and this, it's my word and this, you know? We should not make like a Buddhist teaching or philosophy something too superficial like that, you know? Oh, yes, just love and compassion. Don't worry others, just love and compassion. And some people, they are intellectual. You have to teach in an intellectual way too, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think to see the teachers, you know, today there are many teachers, but uh, probably they wrote, they wrote books or maybe you can see their teachings in YouTube or Facebook, whatever, you know, before you really say it's my teacher and you read their books and you listen to them, it's to, you can check, right? Like a Buddha said, Buddha said, you know, please the scholars and monks, please check my teachings. And if something useful for you, you take it, you know? And Buddha said, don't take it, you know, because you respect me. Buddha said, my teachings are not for respect. So also, you know, you respect somebody's title, you respect somebody's throne, you respect somebody's clothes, you respect because, you know, this and that. I think it's ridiculous. And that's why Buddha said, analyze and think carefully, all my teachings. This is the same thing. This is the really same thing for Buddhist uh, uh, teachings. And also, you know, today there are many like gurus and Indian gurus and many people this, oh, I follow that guru because that guru is very famous. Oh, that guru is very well-known. But sometimes the famous and well-known gurus, they are giving very dangerous suggestions, you know. Some gurus, they say, oh, don't sleep. You know, sleepy is stupid, this and that. For example, for me, I don't like these kind of things. It's something simple. But if you give, you know, one bad uh, teaching to the public, maybe thousands of people are listening. Maybe, you, maybe millions, you know, you can, like, influence millions of people's life. And medically, scientifically, and also spiritually, we need to have enough sleep right, seven to nine hours, if it's possible, you know. It's good for our health, you know, physical health, mental health, and uh, spiritual health, many things. If you say, oh, don't sleep, you know, you have to wake up in the middle of night, or sleep or three hours is enough, four hours is enough, oh, I'm doing this, look at me, I'm fantastic. Maybe one or two people could can make like that, but generally public, these things is not good, right? So that's why I think it's, it's important to see their knowledge, to, to search, to find the teacher. And um, then uh, number two, also it's important that uh, how much those teachers are respecting the, how do you say, the, the lineage, the traditions and how it goes in the tradition. I think, you know, sometimes when we say, okay, traditions are not important, you know, it's new time we do only new style and then it's becoming too much like a new age style you know and uh, i think also we should not make too much new age style and also we should not keep our you know teachings too much strict like ancient times so we really have to bridge it very well you know which things we can make it public and which things we should give teachings uh, publicly and in a proper way. So I think this kind of bridging is very, very important. For instance, you know, in Tibet, even the the nine purification breathing, it's called the sangwa, it's a secret. And so if you say, oh, this is secret, we cannot teach. And then you see Indian yoga, this is so open and so public. And then people say, okay, in Buddhist is secret, we can learn and we learn the Indian one. But then also the Buddhist way they originally coming from the Hindu tradition. And the reason they said to keep it secret is like, you don't, uh, how do you say? And then people can appreciate it. People can value it and they can take it seriously. You know, it's not, you say it is not text says you keep it secret because it's, you know, you, you should not share with anyone. So I think there are many things we really need to, what do you say? Rethink and reprocess. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, so many people, they criticize, you know, when we do the nine purification breathing and then his own Dalai Lama, he gave once in publicly, that breathing thing. And then I think many Tibetans are relaxed and now everybody doing it, you know, all different, all schools, we have different way to do this uh, nine purification breathing. Everybody's doing it. So you know, I think like a great master, his holiness Dalai Lama is important because everybody knows that he is authentic, and everybody knows also he has this very open-minded. You know, at end our intention is important. You know, if we give the teachings, and in a you know good intention, and that that teaching is not bringing how do you say harm to the others, this and that, I think we should open. You know. So that's why yeah, I think uh, the best way to choose teaching is their knowledge, that I would say. And then of course some people they say, oh, you know, um, this teacher has great compassion and this and that, I think that is good too. But if you have a deeper reason why you choose a teacher so you can stay longer with that teacher if your reason is something superficial you know you try to learn study with that teacher spend more time and then then you see more uh how do you say mm-hmm. uh, mistakes or faults in that teacher and then slowly you give up and then then they start to talk about samayas then becoming a conflict it's a it's an issue it's a big problem you know mm-hmm.
0: that's very fascinating you're a lineage holder of the, you took composed by Yutok Gompo the Younger, which combines the traditional Tibetan medicine and Vajrayana practices. And in one of your interviews on Dr. Ben Joffe's blog, The Perfumed Skull, you talk about the Utok Nintik in this way. Uh, this is a quote from his translation. Although these non-sectarian great sutric and tantric teachings at least laid down some positive mental imprints in me. All of them were extremely difficult to penetrate deeply and understand. After I finished the Yutok Nintik preliminary practices and the Yutok Nintik Guru Yoga Accumulation Retreats, I had some experiences that made things a little clearer and easier to understand. As such, the practice of the Dharma lineage of the Yutok Nintik contains essential points of great blessing power, and I've come to recognize it as something karmically allotted to me and hold it as my most basic practice. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what it was about the Yutok Ninti that so uh, clicked with you or so agreed. Well,
1: yeah, I'll tell you the so story. I have received the Yutok Ninti, uh full empowerment from a great Kambu uh, Toru in Lhasa. And he was one of the greatest, uh, you know, Tibetan uh how do you say Buddhist master as well as the doctor, a medical doctor. And then a uh, full empowerment and teaching from Kambo So Kambo Tsenam, originally he's uh, um how do you say karjupa, but mainly he's practicing Karju Nyingma, together. And then Kambo, Tsutum uh, Jamson was uh, originally he's called his Sakya, but he holds uh, Sakya lineage, Nyingma and Karju. You know, both of them, they are Rime, non sectarian, so great, great masters. And of course, everybody knows Yuto. And then we heard a little bit about Yuto Niti, but mainly we are focused, you know, Yuto, he wrote two books. One is the medical text, one is spiritual text. And so we were learning only his medical text, you know. Medical text is called the four medical tantras. So I like to clarify that word of tantra. Many people are confused. Why are medical texts called the tantra? Actually tantra, tan means body. Tra means save or protect, you know. So how to protect, how to understand human body, you know, how to protect it or how to save it from disease and sicknesses. So that's called the tantra. That's original word, tan means body, do you understand? Mm. So that's why Yuto used this tantra as a body protection or body treatment or body study, you know? So that's why it's called Jushi, four tantras. It's divided in four parts. So root tantra is the, uh, root tantra is the, what do you say? Uh, the foundation. And then the second tantra is called Ex- explanatory tantra. So that's the theoretical part. And then uh, third Tantra is a pathological, that's a huge one. And then the fourth Tantra is called action Tantra. So that's a very practical thing, you know, like pulse reading, urine analysis for diagnosis and then use of herbs and then use of uh, external therapies and use of purging and, uh, you know, And uh, all these things in a very practical way. So that's called the fourth Tantra, Jushi. So that's his uh, main book. And then the second book is called the Yuto Ningti. So, you know, the Ningti. there are many different uh, translations. I always use to use the simple words. I call it the Yuto's heart teaching, you know, his heart teachings. And that's uh, mainly spiritual. And uh, so we heard about Yotoniti and this and that. I was always the one to receive the teachings. And then I was lucky that was 1993, I received all those teachings. And then later with jumps Jamsen later, but all in Lhasa. And then, so we received the teachings. And um, you know, at that time I was busy learning the Gelukpa uh, what do you say, philosophies from Gelugpa school and then Nyingma, Longchi Nyingti, and then Ben-Jung doing retreats. I was so busy. I told you I was so hungry and craving of all teachings, you know, reading books, this and that, you know. Uh, I still have my notebooks. My books are full of notes and here, there. I was so surprised. I was so precise, you know. <laughs> and uh, so craving. I always felt that I didn't have enough time for reading books and this and that, you know. And um, So, um, and then our teachers, and they always says, oh, you guys, you know, will be doctors in future. And the Ying Ting will be very practical because it's very essential, you know, it's very essential easy to practice and you know it's effective and you don't need much time you know the specific like uh, characteristics of Yuto yinti. and that time is oh yeah yeah you know you just listen to masters oh yeah masters they talk good about Utonity, this but I'm busy with my launching I'm busy with that one you know I have to finish this one so I was kind of that kind of really like jumping here there oh you know same time, I love the tea. I said I want to do tea, but then meanwhile also you have to finish the others, you know, kind of like this. And um, I remember Kambozutram jumps and says, "You guys, you know, for our, you know, for us students, says you guys." Focus on unity. You know, you guys will be all busy doctors. He's, he said, all doctors, no, but no doctor is can be lazy. And you know, you guys feel busy, and you know, you cannot do many retreats. And he said, when I did seven days of guru yoga, he said it was so amazing. You know, he. Uh, I think he had a vision of Yuto and these things. So we we like these uh, stories, but somehow kind of ignored, you know, it's, okay, I do next time, you know, next time, next time. But when I did by myself, seven days, finally I found, okay, seven days I did this. Then many, you know, many things are really changed, you know, like the, let's say the experiential way, you know, the meditative experience. And really I felt the blessing of Yuto. And uh, a master which connects to everything, you know, through Yuto Niti. It's like, uh, it helped me to understand more about Longchenyungti. It helped me to understand more about Dunjum uh, uh, or You know, in generally like, oh, Nungma, Karjupa, Gelugpa. So I really, it it helped me to connect everything. You know, otherwise when I go to Sarah Monastery and, you know, s- start to learn the Gelugpa, teachings, and then you think, okay, now I'm Gelugpa, you know, I have to learn like Gelugpa way. And then you learn the, the you know, Longchenpa is, okay, now I'm Nyingma, this is Nyingma, and this is Geluk. you know, this is different. And that's the Karjuba part, this, and you know, I always had this, I think it's normal for us to say, oh, you know, I'm a Nyingma, I learned Gelugpa too, but da, da da this, you know, all I kind of separated. But this uh, Yuto, uh, because Yuto always says, uh, uh, means all Buddhas in one Buddha and all Gurus in one Guru. You know, when you say, okay, Guru Yoga, when you visualize like Guru Parma Sambhava, you say, okay, I'm doing Guru Parma Sambhava. I'm not doing Jetsung Kaba, you know? Hmm. I'm not doing Karma. We kind of have this, oh, you know, I'm in Mabba because Guru Rubochi is this and that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the Gelupas they say, oh, you know, Lama Chapa, we do ba and Je ba is the most authentic guru. You know? I think when we do guru yoga, we always have this, our own way of thinking, you know, somebody is perfect and which is different than others. And so Yuto gave me this, like, uh, understanding of all in one, you know, actually, that's his main emphasis in the Yuto Ninti. He says, don't do too many deity yogas, you know. He says, don't chase after deities. They will never finish because they are endless, countless, you know. And Yuto says, uh, you know, means we really need to know what are the essence of the teachings. And essence of teachings are guru yoga. And then guru yoga means what, you know. Then he talks about external gurus, internal gurus, and the way how I explain these things, it really makes sense to me, okay? So of course, I read the theoretically, it makes sense, but when I did a meditation, it's something like clicked, and then I was completely relaxed, okay? So I would say, you know, try to say, okay, this is my tradition, I'm the best one, I'm the right one, and you know, some other schools something is wrong here they are criticizing others kind of being a young scholar you know from this kind of way I kind of relaxed and then there's a famous um teaching from jetsung also other teachers he said damn chachta charuata you know to see the all teachings as one you know there is no like difference they are all teaching in the different angles, you know, different uh, aspect at end is the one. So that's why I really give, I, I experienced that, you know. So that was very powerful and especially to becoming more like, it, I really become kind of flexible, you know. I was very rigid, you know, to saying, oh, you know, this, my tradition is this and that, my guru is this. It's kind of, i become really, really relaxed and, you know, all connected interconnectivity, interconnected. So you read uh, all the theory of Jetson Kaba, Madhya Mika. It's really amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Before I said, ah, oh, yeah, he's only talking this and that, you know, I had some critical ideas about him because I was stupid, I was ignorant, you know. Mm-hmm. And now if you read it, he's, and you see it's so amazing way for intellectual people, how he explained it. The Long Chimba, great Long Chimba, experiential way, how he expresses is so amazing, right? And uh, Marpa and Milarepa's teachings and songs and Mahamudra and Dzoghpachembo, and you know, all these great teachings, they're, it's like, you know, that we think we are smart that to try to understand how they are different, you know, right. to say why they are different, why one is better than others we think that make us special, but I think it really it makes special when we see how they are all connected, how they are all in one, you know? I think that really makes us, uh, how do you say, special, and also make us, uh, how do you say, relaxed, you know? Not fighting for the schools, you know, not criticizing others, this and that. And I think that is the, really the essence of the teaching. So that's why, uh, you know, Yoto always says he's a bla- he, he focuses on this faster blessing because he said the future people need something very fast.
0: <laughs>
1: right? We need a fast internet, we need a faster phone, and you know, faster car, everything is the fast. So, why not a faster spiritual tradition too? So, Chinlab Nirba, you know, so that's why Yoto's emphasis is the faster blessing. And uh, I think that's what we really needed it, okay? What we really needed it. And that, yeah, that was my experience with uh, Yuto's Guru Yoga. And uh, somehow this tradition, I don't know, another good effect is Yuto, the tradition helped me how to relax and how to be like, uh, how do you say, flexible you know, how to like not uh, stick on one thing. And uh, and inner peace, you know. And there is a, a, a teaching from Yuto, I, I love that. And uh, I sometimes I make a joke, I say Yuto is the one without any punishments, you know. Yuto says, if you, how uh, do you say, if you have faith in me, And if you have devotion in me, he says, you know, if you're able to give your heart and your mind to me, he says, I'll bring you from happiness to happiness, you know, from the um, conventional happiness to the ultimate happiness. And he says, even you hate me, you know, even you criticize me, he says, I bring you from happiness to happiness. (laughs) So, you know, it doesn't, Yuto has this great uh, wisdom and compassion that to see even somebody is unhappy with him, even somebody is doubting in him, even somebody is criticizing to him, even somebody is, I don't know, doing bad things to him, breaking his statues, burning his teachings. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, even you are doing these negative things to me, I bring you from happiness, happiness. Because that's called unconditional love and uh, compassion. He sees that why some people has that limitations and difficulties and why they are doing these things, right? Because he sees people's stupidity, he sees people's limit, he sees people's ignorance and that's why he never says, oh if you do this, you know, you get get punished, right? He says, yeah, you, you can you can have faith in me or you can insult me. You know, you can, you can love me or you can hate me. Both are okay. I help you both. Do you understand? I like that his expression too, you know. Otherwise, also when you learn and Vajrayana, oh, there's a Samaya, Samaya was your guru, Samaya this and that, you know. If you have troubles, you know, the Vajra hell and this and that, people get scared, you know, very often they ask me, oh, you know, I have Samaya and this and oh, what is about Samaya, this and that, you know, that, that, I said, oh, don't worry, Samaya, just keep doing, you know, what you can do, how much, just, I always tell people, be honest, don't worry about Samaya and do what you can do, you know, in a, in a good way, on a positive way. And then of course people, they don't understand this. Oh, why you are not like focusing so much in Samaya, like all teachers are, they're always talking about Samaya. Because it's it's important to have Samaya, but I really love this, what Yuto, he said, you know. And uh, yeah, that's why I don't know. Maybe it's a karmic connection. Yuto didn't give many like philosophical teachings and he gave like short and very crucial things and every of this really really like how do you say uh, enlightens me and it strikes me because yeah there are even some simple words you know Yuto says if they're a qualified uh, master and a really devoted a karmic connected disciple comes he says the enlightenment doesn't take much long, you know much time and uh, for example he says if somebody has no karma even you push them so hard you know they will never receive your teaching they will never make a connection to you it's true Mm -hmm. if somebody has a really karma and also you know you refuse them they will come and somehow they receive the teaching so that's why you know when i give teachings and, you know, some people says, how come you don't make a stricter rules, you know, yeah. which students can come, which students cannot come and what uh, prerequis- prerequisites, what do you call it, say it?
0: Prerequisites.
1: Prerequisites, you know, for the teachings, you know. I know many teachers, they do these things and and people are telling me why you don't make these things because I believe in what Yuto said. If somebody has karma, will come. If somebody has no karma, will not come. And even the same thing from my book, you know, Karma Mudra book, and some people are saying, how come you make it public? It's a secret teaching, okay? Many people ask me, the answer is just, I just believe, and that's what Yuto said, it makes sense to me. There's so many amazing books are uh, published you know, about Dokpa Chambur, mm. about Ati Yoga, about the Mahamudra, and you know, you even give them free to somebody, somebody have no karma, they don't read, they never read in their life, or even you give for free saying, this is a secret, and they, they, they put in the, they throw it away. They are not interested, you know, they are not in it, it means there is no karmic connection, right? And if they have a karma, somehow they will meet the teacher, they will meet that teaching, and somehow it will happen. So that's why, and Yuto has this fast and blessing teaching, and he gives these amazing teachings. And for me, I don't say I'm a lineage holder or I'm a master, I'm a guru from Yuto tradition. I call myself I'm a messenger, you know. The same thing for his medical teaching. I'm a messenger. I try to teach uh, his, uh, you know, Yuto's teaching more and more. I really wish that more people can receive these teachings and can understand, can learn, and they can help more people. That's only my goal, and that's what Yuto he wanted, right? Same thing also Yuto Niti. It's a great, great teachings. And when I give the teachings like this. You know, I, now I'm giving some Yoto teachings in the Facebook. Uh, one very important thing is, you know, um, some people are saying, oh, I'm giving many teachings, you know, to make myself famous, to make more money. That's not true. When there's an organization, they have to organize, they have to charge something. You know you know the samsara how it works today. There have to be a, like a financial balance too, but I always wish to teach it free, and that's why now I have a good chance. You know, I'm doing that in the Yoton uh, We made a group, a Yoton teaching group. So I'm giving many, you know, Mondra Guru Yoga teachings there, you know. Mm. So I'm really happy that everybody can reach it, right? But I know some people, they don't like it. They say, oh, you give teachings. It's a secret teaching, blah, 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 and they criticize. As the Buddha said, we cannot make everyone happy, you know. <laughs> Even Buddha cannot do that, how we can do it. But the, my part, what I do is I have a good intention. I know that there is a reason why I received all these great teachings. And one very great uh, teacher, Kitruk um, Jatso, uh, you know, Allah Jamia from Amdo, when I met him in uh, 1996 or seven, so he asked me to teach, he asked me to teach, really to teach Yuton teaching you know, publicly, he said, it's good that if this teaching can reach as many as possible, you know, it can benefit because he says also, it's very, very, how do you say, fast blessing. It's so helpful for many people. So actually, he told me to teach Jyoto and and Hayagriva Tantra because, uh, you know, he said, my past life was connected with Hayagriva Tantra. You know, he wrote a text, I know this uh text and so on he said you should give you should give teachings on these two teachings and spread and so on and uh, so yeah that's the um, that's the story and uh, that's why you know when i don't have experience just reading the text and you know just saying the words i'm not that confident and then there are so many great teachers in Longchen, and Dunjum, and Nyingma, Karju Sakya, Gelu, so I don't want to go there to say, oh, I'm teaching this one too, you know. It's true, recently, I started to teach the Flight of Garuda, the the Dokchen teaching, because I received this from my uh, teacher, the nun, you know, Aningawa Jensen. And uh, I consider this is very special because, uh, uh Ngawan Jensen's teacher was Annie Lochin, the famous the yogini. And her guru was Shapkarba's disciple. So between Shapkarba, the great master, to me, there are only three great masters, you know, the lineage, it's a short lineage. I consider this is something very auspicious. And I told you, you know, my teacher in the beginning, you know, she always refused when I asked her to teach you. It was very difficult. It was a very good uh, training, you know. And then uh, one day, she gave me all teaching. I was very surprised. She said, whatever teaching you need, you ask me, I give you. So the teachings of Tummo, Mahamudra, Yoga, she read and she gave me and this, I was very, very surprised. And then I also knew that uh, that was one of our last meeting. And she, uh, she knew because she made a prophecy about my activities already she knew I would teach and I would benefit many people and so on, so you see. So great masters, they have a plan. So that's why great masters, will never judge, you know. I used to go to my teacher, the nun with some other, my Dharma friends and to receive, uh, you know, Zalong teaching, she said no. And then my friends said, oh no, you see your teacher doesn't know Zalong. That's why she's not teaching us, blah, blah, blah. I never judged my teacher. I said, I always said she must have a reason if she doesn't give teaching. I said, I I never judge something wrong with her. It's, it's, it's about us, maybe we are not ready. So actually that was true, you know. So I always had this uh, pure vision about my, uh, about my teachers, yeah. So I also really understand that uh, in the Tibetan, Buddhism or Vajrayana Buddhism, why the Guru Yoga is important. Of course, I think we all need to have a better understanding what Guru Yoga means, you know. Some people, they are saying, oh, Guru Yoga means you have to do everything for your teacher and this and that. And then, you know, you start to judge the teachers and something right and wrong like this. And it, it have to go beyond of the judgments, you know. You really should see in a pure vision. And I also know sometimes I didn't have the pure vision, some of my teachers, because I thought I'm smarter than them, you know? I thought, oh, I wish my teacher knew a little bit more like a philosophical part. Oh, you know, explain a little bit more this tantric way, this way. You know, I had this in my head, but somehow my pure vision was always much stronger than my judgmental part, you know? So that's why, you know, that part is, I think it's very, very important. And uh, this, my Karma Mudra teacher, the Cheshon Hanyun Rol he was a nomad, you know, like myself, very wild. And he all he's kind of very erotic. And he talks about, you know, erotic things publicly. And he likes, uh, you know, women. Everybody knows the student. He's kind of, you know, that's why, his way of his being is very like a free nomad, you know, free like a Mahasiddha. And that's why many people did, didn't did consider him as a spiritual teacher. You know, he's kind of like, a, how do you say, kind of a horny professor, <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> kind of, you know. Uh, and this, yeah, when, so he was, uh, I was very close to him and he was, uh, I was kind of, he's a close student. And uh, he tells me what he thinks about the girls, you know, about these, is not his, uh, what do you say, abusing students like this, you know. Normally he talks about other ladies, you know. Sometimes he tells me, oh, what do you think about that lady? Oh, look at her breast and this. He liked to say these things. Actually, that was his nature, you know. I wrote about him in Karma Mudra book, and uh, he dressed like a nomad in the very, very, very like a nomad style, very simple, very poor style, you know. And he had so much knowledge. It's really amazing. He had so much knowledge, you know, a great scholar, but because people judge how he dressed, how he talk about these things. And people are saying also, oh, you know, Akulamo loves money. You know, he was working as a professor. And of course, he's working a professor. He gets salary. And I know he had a family. He needed to help. Them. But at end, even people are saying, oh, you know, he loved money. This He spent all his money and he built his, uh, how do you say, library. You know, he built a library. And this library is for the public. It's not for him he was saving money, he was saving money to buy all books, right, it's not all books are free, you know, Mm -hmm. he really has all these special, his uh, collections, and he also want to make some nice temple, and you know, uh, unfortunately, yeah, he didn't realize that his project, and then he passed away, but uh, you see, because of his dress, because of his kind of behavior, people like, misjudge him you know and that's why it's really pity nobody considered him as a spiritual guru i'm sure there are some his close students they feel that way but publicly nobody says he's a guru you know so yeah when he passed away he came to my dream and he gave me the funnel his uh, atiyoga Zogchin, you know, Semchil, the Rigpa introduction, it was really amazing, you know, yeah. so it was really amazing, that's why I'm really happy that I never lost, you know, my pure vision taught to my great teachers, and uh, yeah, this is something I can say, it's like my quality, you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is, You know, so many people are saying, oh, you teach so many things. Yeah, I teach so many things because I've learned many things. It's not I make up, you know, I've learned. You know, I've learned and I followed my teachers and I I did my best to, you know, to spend when I was young to time and learning and understanding and this and that. As I said, you know, once you want to learn when you are interested and everything, learning is so easy, so fast, you know. I don't know, some people do think I have a special memory, I'm smart, I never thought I'm smart or I'm a special memory. But I know everybody, once you are really interested, when you put your heart there, your brain is very easy to take it and, you know, to get it. Uh I know what does it mean as smart people, you know, some people are really, really smart. I'm not that smart, but I know many things because I have pure vision into my gurus, and I have pure uh, trust and belief, all the Dharma texts, what I've learned, uh, you know, all these things. And uh, yeah, I try to understand with my brain and I feel with my heart. So, and then I also see the importance of to, you know, to keep those traditions alive, like see Sachie, you know, you mentioned it. So there are not so many satche teachers, you know? You can find the Chinese feng shui teaching everywhere, Indian Vastu everywhere. There are very few te- teachers about Sache, and a few monks and uh, they are teaching in their monasteries, this and that. And uh, so when I learned, I learned actually from Lavrangh Monastery, my satche. So I traveled there, you know, I stayed there, I learned and you know, Everything, that's why today I teach, you know, it's not I just read a book and say, oh, I can teach this. (laughs) So, yeah, actually I was, you can call me a traveler. Uh, I call myself Jokpa and nomad. So my nomad journey, I was happy, you know, many many of this, my journey I spend for, you know, when I was young, I spend my journey for learning and practicing. And uh, then, since uh, yeah, last uh, 10 years traveling, also giving and sharing this with others. So that's my story.
0: Wonderful, Dr. Nita. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, okay. Maybe we do another. You are, if you have other questions, we do another time. Yeah, another.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of questions about (laughs) dream yoga, about karma mudra, and about uh, many other things, actually. So, Yeah. yeah, I would love to.
1: Maybe these things, I think we do one by one. If you put too many things, it's too many. Now maybe it's more like my story. Yeah. We can make one just a dream, one karma mudra. It's better, you know.
0: Great. That's great. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.